Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's good to be back in the studio. And I'm in a really, really good mood today because I think we have a very, very special guest, someone who I'm really looking forward to speaking to. But first, I want to say a big thanks to uh, everyone that's listened to the first two podcasts. And to be honest, I've really enjoyed the feedback from my friends who have been trolling me to people who I don't know who've been providing me with lots of ideas and concepts. And, you know, I think there are a few people who aren't too far away from starting a bit of a fan club for me. So thank you to those guys. It's been very entertaining. And uh, hopefully you can give me some more feedback in the, in the weeks to come. But now the time has come to introduce today's guest. Please, please bear with me one second. This person should need no introduction, but I'm going to give one anyway. This is a player who has won multiple domestic titles in several countries. She is the Spanish all-time leading goal scorer. She has a stadium named after her, something which most people will probably never have. Also a European Champions League winner. And in her own words, this is the princess of a king's sport. And she's currently playing for the Utah Royals in the NWSL. Ladies and gentlemen, Beto Boquete. Wow. Thank you. I oh, thank you. I practice that. I practice that. Yeah, it's a perfect pronunciation of my name. Yeah. And good summary. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna blush, stop it. But thank you for coming on to the show. Um a disclaimer for all the fans, today's show will be about football. We'll be or soccer. We'll be talking a lot about soccer because unfortunately Vero is tone deaf, so she's not into music. So please I hope you will enjoy this and um Vero, are you ready? Yeah, ready. Always ready. Yeah, vamos, let's go. <laughs> So the two of us, we were both based in Europe, and now we find ourselves here playing in Utah. I'd like to know how you ended up here. Well, I have a long, <laughs> a long way. I played in different countries, and uh, I I played in US before, and uh, I lost the final. To which team? With uh, Philadelphia Independence. Okay. And then I come back later. I play with uh, Portland Thorns. I uh, lost semifinals. Yeah. So uh, there is something here that uh, I still have to win. So uh, I think that is what uh, brings me here. I want to to try to to win this championship again. And uh, after two minutes uh, conversation with Laura Harvey, I'm here. Yeah, Laura Harvey. She uh, she worked in England before, didn't she? Yeah. Was it for Arsenal? Yeah, she won everything with Arsenal. Did she? Yeah. Uh, top pedigree. Top top pedigree. <laughs> um, where were you just before you came here? Which club was that? I was in China. In China. Mm -hmm. So in the men's game, if you're in China, um, <laughs> you are retired. <laughs> well, well, you're planning for your retirement, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so what what was the women's game like in China? Um, it was. I mean, everything in in China was way different, and not just uh, football, also like uh, lifestyle and culture and everything. But they have a really professionally, and um, I needed a, a new challenge. I was in in PSG two years, and I needed something different. And it was always in my mind, like maybe one day I I play in Asia, mm -hmm. and uh, I thought it would be Japan. Okay. But uh, then this opportunity came, and. Uh, they wanted me, they 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 find an agreement with PSG. And I went there just for eight months. Okay. So it was a short contract, but enough to to live that experience and uh, it was great. So how many languages do you speak now? And is <laughs> and did you speak their native language? Well, I speak four languages. Okay, which ones? Spanish for sure. Yes. <laughs> English I try to mm -hmm. <laughs> French and Portuguese. And Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Why Portuguese? 
Because my region in Spain is Galicia. It's mm-hmm. just up to Portugal. So okay. we have a language really close. And then I, I have been playing with uh, different uh, Brazilian players. So I I just learned more. Okay, interesting. Um, so for me, sorry, I, I know it's about you, but I'm going to make this <laughs> about me as well. So I'd played in England my, um, my whole career from when I was, I made my debut at 17. And I'd played lots of years, lots of games. And it was good, it was fun. But then I thought to myself, when I was younger, I always dreamt of playing outside of England as well. Because I never thought that the English league was the be all and end all of everything. There were so many experiences that you could have. And I felt like in normal life, you don't really get the same opportunities that you can have while you're playing the game. So my contract was coming to an end in London for Queen's Park Rangers. And I thought, you know, I was 31 at the time, I think. I said, maybe this is the time, maybe this is the time. So I was looking to go and try and play in Europe. But time was passing and the way the market's changed whereby unless you're 25 and below now, it's like you have no value whatsoever. So most of those teams are looking that way and that's fair enough. That's just the way that it is. But then the opportunity came to come here to America and I had two or three offers. But the best offer for me, for my family, in terms of time, was to come to play here for Real Salt Lake. And I came and I think you might be like me in this sense. I didn't know much about the place before I came, but very quickly after I came and I settled in, the place is the place is special. It really, really it really, really is. Like from the scenery, like I wake up every day and I'm next to some mountains. If it's wintertime, snowy and beautiful. If it's summertime, it just looks epic and incredible. Like this is the best summer I've ever had in terms of temperature, obviously for you being from somewhere which might be a little bit warmer than say in Manchester, England. Yeah, but to wake up every day and to just see the incredible sights it's you know special and I have good teammates as well speaking of which how do you like your team here I love it I love it yeah I think we have uh, like I love the players I love the staff and all the environment is really really professional Mm -hmm. and um, this this is something that uh, is no easy to find in the women's side Mm -hmm. because yeah we are still growing so here we have all that we need and uh, people is always really nice, really welcoming and the same feeling like when I came here, it was winter, it was cold. I didn't like it that <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> it's pre-season, yeah. so everything is hard. Mm-hmm. But uh, after a, a couple of weeks, you start to, to find your, your place and uh, especially now in summer, I love it. Yes. I think, uh, yeah, Salt Lake and Utah is just uh, really, really nice. So this is the team you've picked to try and deal with the unfinished business <laughs> of winning a title in the NWSL. Yes, exactly. And I think we can do it. Yeah, from the games I've seen, I believe you can do it as well. It seems like now, hopefully you're going to come into form at the right time and the team that comes with the most form. It doesn't really matter if you were the team at the top throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Whoever's in form at the end, they tend to win the title, don't they? Yeah, and uh, I think we can do it because, I mean, this team is still a little new. Mm-hmm. Like uh, last year was like the first season here and then... Uh, yeah, with Laura also like a new coach, so you always need uh, some time to to just understand like the way that we want to play, and um, and I think that it's a way that uh, is a little different in in US and it's different than the rest of the teams because we try to have the ball a lot yeah. and we have to we try to build up from the back and uh, that's something that maybe the rest of the teams they don't have, mm-hmm. so it's risky because uh, you have to do it really well, mm-hmm. but it's fun and uh, some of my teammates are just fantastic. Yeah, I, I've seen them. Literally, you have a very good team. Um, you mentioned something there, which 
like I'm all about topics. Whenever I do the podcast, I have a few topics, <laughs> things I'd like to talk about. And I love it when the guest just somehow segues into the next topic. And that's exactly what you did. So for me, I watch a lot of sport in general. It doesn't matter whether it's men's sport, women's sport, whatever. And especially football. I watch any football. So I want to know more. And could you tell me more about the different women's leagues? Which are the top professional women's leagues around the world, would you say? Um, I would say right now... Europe is getting like really, really strong and especially like Germany has like the history. Like for so many years, Germany had like the best uh, and the strongest and the most competitively, the best players were there. I think that is changing a little. Some okay. players uh, really are choosing like uh, Frenchly, Englandly and uh, Spanishly now because it's growing a lot. And um, yeah, I will say that the uh, French league is uh, one of the best. Um, England is uh, really competitive, but they still they they still missing like big stars maybe yeah. in, in the league. And then Spanish league and um, also like Italian league is starting Italian as well, to grow. Yeah, yeah. It, all this uh, movement like growing like the women's football is coming from the from the football clubs. Like, okay. They are uh, supporting now like uh, women's football and. It's not the same to to be called like Manchester City than mm -hmm. to be any other club in, in the city. So um, yeah, you have like the training facilities, you have a, a bigger budget, and um, everything um, help to to have a better uh, level. And uh, that is uh, what it is. So from while I was watching when I was back in England, it seemed like the biggest teams in Europe would be Frankfurt. Did you win the Champions League with them? Yeah. Uh, Leon. Mm -hmm. Um. There's a lot of talk of Barcelona now. Are they are they much better now? Yeah, yeah, they are way better now. And from a few years ago, it was Arsenal, but mm -hmm. is it more Manchester City now? Like, who would you say the top five teams are in Europe? Um, well, I will take off Frankfurt because this is actually oh, because since you left, it's not been the same. Uh, no, it's actually no for me. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's just that the like before women's football was more like uh, the teams were like more just women clubs mm -hmm. and Frankfurt is an example of that okay. they were like a, a really good team they won so many uh, Champions League and uh, in Germany the strongest team but it it was just a woman club and that is changing everything because now they can't compete because yeah. the rest of uh, of the clubs are like Manchester United Manchester City yes. Chelsea yes. Arsenal uh, Wolfsburg Bayern Munich so I will say that Lyon is the best uh, team club in, in women's side because it had been the best for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, PSG is uh, coming and uh, they want to be the best in, in France and in Europe. In England, I will say um, Arsenal won the title last uh, season, so they are coming back okay. after a few years. Yeah, they were down for a few years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Manchester City and Chelsea, they are, they are uh, strong too. And then in Spain is uh, Barcelona, Atletico de Madrid. In Italy, Juventus, Milan. So it's kind of the same, yeah, in, as, as but in the men's yeah. side. Do you think Real Madrid would ever have a team? Uh, actually, they they bought a team. Right. Okay. <laughs> Call it Tacon. They bought it. That team uh, came to first division this season. Okay. And uh, this year will be like a transition year. It's no call it Real Madrid, but gonna be training in Valdebebas, that is the, the sport city, and they will have all the club support. And next year is when they're gonna be everything in Real Madrid. Okay, interesting. Um, so from my side, I like to learn about different sports and 
different scenarios and things that people are living through. So whenever I look into things like the NWSL or say the the league in England or leagues in Europe, it seems like comparatively the women don't make a lot of money, especially at the bottom end for players who make up squads. You know, but they're sign they're significant because they will play at some point, but the money isn't. Um, isn't to the level whereby you'd look at it and say that's a motivator. Whereas for the men, sometimes, you know, you could be. I've, I've seen third choice goalkeepers who earn more money than, say, the majority of people that play in the MLS, for example. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's in England. So my question really is if the money at times can be so low for certain people, why, why are so many women still turning pro and choosing to go down that route? I think it's the passion for this sport. Like, I mean, dreams are dreams. Yes. So if you want to be professional, doesn't matter if you're gonna get like so many millions or just to survive with that. Yeah. I think that in, in women's uh, football, we just accept the situation. And of course, like we want to, to get better and it's getting better. Yeah, now it's like yeah. way better than before. But uh, still, like you play for the, the love of the game. And I think that they, that's something that we still keep it. Like uh, I think women's football is still like keeping like the the values of of the sport and then like yeah it's something still special. I don't know if we're gonna keep it for so long because obviously when the morning comes, yeah, then it's just uh, harder. And um, but right now the majority of the players they just play because they they because just they love, love this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so pure, and I think that's why so many people love the game itself. But how do you think? Um, generally people perceive women's football both here and just on the world stage would you say um i think for one side they see it like what we are talking like that is a, a pure sport mm -hmm. and then yeah we keep like like when you are a kid you play because of just to enjoy yes, and, yes. and the love and i think that people still see that in in women's side but also i think like people think that is not that good yeah like the level is not that good the, mm -hmm. the woman can play that good football. But that is changing too. And I think this uh, last World Cup show to everyone that uh, women's football can be like in a really high level. And um, from now on, we just can go further. It's so interesting. You've done it again. The next topic <laughs> is going to be the World Cup. But I just want to talk about how the game's perceived from my side, firstly. So people that love the game will love how the game's played anywhere. Doesn't matter whether it's men women like we, i could walk down the street and watch a game from you know amateur men or amateur women or whatever like i just enjoy seeing the game itself but the perception among so many people around women's football is one which isn't in my opinion valid because from my side i i'm humble enough to admit that i know what i'm good at but i also know that there are plenty of professional women this is yourself included who technically are, are better player than I am and I'll say and I'll, I'll say that it's not meant to sound patronizing meant to sound like whatever I believe that you're a better fo footballer purest footballer than I am so how could I ever judge a product differently if there are people playing within it who I think are better than me but overall maybe it's the macho thing with guys but then also I think to a certain extent some women don't like watching women's sport as well the product is the product and for as much as it's not uh, I think let me get this right. I think the, one of the bigger issues that it probably has is that for as much as you have people at the top of their ability in terms of 
tactical ability, technical ability, physical ability, and they can all bring it together and be great. I think when you then look at the people who are at the other end, sometimes the gap can be too big, whether that's as an individual or as a team. But it's getting better. It is getting a lot better. And interestingly, I think you can relate that to how it's like in the MLS. So outside of here, most of the leagues have been set. They've been going for decades, 100 years plus. And they have that quality. They have some of the most iconic moments, some of the best players in the world. And I think in the MLS, there are players who are good enough to go and play in all the top divisions around the world. But then in the same breath, there's some people who aren't quite there yet. They might achieve their potential, but they're not quite there yet. So the gap from top to bottom is one whereby if you play against a team and they have a weak player, it's a significantly weaker player than you would find if you went and watched, say, for this is just talking like top 1%. Who's the weakest player for Paris Saint-Germain? <laughs> and is he a bad player? Probably not. And he's, he's a good player, but next to, you know, uh, Mbappe, he might look like he's an average player, but this isn't a, still an elite player. And so in those places, and you can even do that in relation to a team that, say, might get relegated in the top division, just the difference between the best player and, and I won't say the worst player, but the best player and the player who isn't the best player is not as big. But I think over, people perceive that as being like a real weakness over here. And as a consequence, all the people who are really good players don't get viewed in the same way as they would do if they were outside of the MLS, if that makes sense. But anyway, before I start getting myself in trouble, <laughs> let's, uh, I really, really, really want to talk about the Women's World Cup. Can we, can we have an honest debate about this? Yeah. yeah. So for me, I enjoyed watching it. I felt like it was just in the, it was like a perfect storm. This, we're in, in 2019, coverage of events is different. People can stream things. They don't need to necessarily sit in front of the TV and they can watch it afterwards. They can see incidents on social media. Stuff can get pushed. And it just so happened as well because it was in France for the time zone, it was perfect. I felt like it was more accessible to most of the world. So I'd wake up in the morning. There's a game on. Okay, I'd get to work. There's another game on. I'd finish work. There's another game on. And then that's happening for, to people back in Europe. And then to a certain extent, people, as you go further east, going towards Asia and things like this, it was very, very accessible. And the quality was good. But I loved the quality more when it got to the knockout rounds. Because the gap then seemed to, um, it seemed to tighten, like the games were closer games. It got to a point where, obviously, barring the USA, who were always kind of favourites for it, the next team down to challenge them, I wasn't sure who that was whether that was going to be England, whether that was going to be France, whether it was going to be Germany, uh, the Netherlands, Sweden. Have I forgotten anyone? Or with it, uh, Italy? Italy. It, Italy as well. And I really, I really enjoyed it because, as I say, unfortunately, the thing that probably got the World Cup the most ridicule was the fact that in the group stage, a team can beat another team by 13 goals. Mm -hmm. But that's just what happened. But that didn't necessarily affect the rest of the quality throughout the tournament. And for me, from my side, like I loved watching it. It was so competitive. But I feel like this is when it gets a little bit controversial. Not to do with the women, but to do with FIFA. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the way that they tested out some new rules and new concepts in a major tournament. Like things about like the goalkeeper being on the line mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Like it's most, is it fair to say that most uh, f women's leagues around the world don't have VAR? So all of a sudden now you're playing in, in the biggest stage with VAR and a new rule, which most people have never practiced before. And I felt like it was almost as if you guys 
were used as like test dummies for something. Yeah. And that's something that happened a lot of times yeah. with women's football. And it happened in the last World Cup where we're playing artificial grass. <laughs> I was going to talk about that. That would <laughs> never happen in exactly. men's football. It would and, never happen. And we fight to change that because we knew that in a men's World Cup will never be playing. Never, in, never, exactly. Never. So uh, at the end, we we have to play in the artificial grass because Canada was uh, already hosting and it was no time to change it. But um, about the VAR and some new rules... Like, I have to defend a little FIFA. Okay. Because... Because you're an ambassador? <laughs> or just in well, general? No, just in general. Okay. Because actually, um, in this World Cup in France, it, it won't be VAR. Okay. So people start to talk yeah. and say like, oh, it's a women's World Cup and uh, they don't use a VAR. In a men World yes, Cup, yes. it will be there, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So then FIFA say, okay, let's put the VAR. But obviously the referees, like you say, like they never work with yeah. that. Yeah. So then it's like, it's when it gets harder. Mm -hmm. But so it's like sometimes uh, these uh, or big organizations are in a situation where they don't know exactly what to do because if they do one thing, people will complain. Mm -hmm. If they do other thing, people yeah, will complain too. Exactly right, yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe like uh, it was not the best decision, but I think it was like a, a global decision. Yes. I don't think that it was a FIFA decision. It was like everyone wanted. Yeah. So we have it. And uh, for some teams, we work well. <laughs> yeah. For others, not that well. So I, I don't want to start any controversy, but I always find with things like VAR, I believe as a professional and as a defender, limits the amount of errors that exist but it can only do so if the people who are making the decisions know exactly what they're doing mm -hmm. so vr it's like any technology the technology doesn't essentially let itself down it's the people that work with the technology that do so so if you have the best referees across any like across men's football women's football kids football whatever if you have the best referees more often than not you'll get to the right decision but sometimes if the quality of refereeing isn't as good as you would hope it would be Adding an extra camera just makes it worse because now you look at something which should have gone one way and instead of just one person saying it's the other way, now you've got two people saying it's the other way. And that is stressful. As a defender, I can say it's, it's very, very stressful at times. But maybe in time, because the, you know, the game itself, not just in women's football, but it's men's football, women's, just overall, it's improving. Mm -hmm. Investment is being made to make it better, to help people understand more so about the laws of the game and so on. So I buy into VAR, but it's just frustrating when you don't get to the right decision, even though you have a second chance to view things. Yeah, and I think that VAR has to be better. Yeah. And it's going to be better. Yeah. Like like uh, the time of decision has to be yeah. shorter and it's not all the time that you have to check it up. It's like it has to be like in the right moments. And like you say, like the referees have to understand also the situation. Yeah. Of course, if you stop the imaging in some point, oh, it's, it's going to be it? penalty. Yeah, or, of course, of course. But, and also with the handballs, it's oh, like uh, there is intention, no intention. Now with the VAR, it should be like if there is intention because yeah. you actually can check it up. Yeah. So I also think that the, the ones on the on the room, yeah. the ones that are watching it, are the ones that have to take the decision. Yeah. So the the game keep going, if the referee doesn't see it, mm -hmm. didn't see it, and now it's like, okay, this is a penalty, and I take the decision, because yeah. I'm seeing it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then it will be shorter time to decide, and all these so things. I, I, I totally agree. Um, so this week was the first week of uh, the Premier League, and it's the first time they've used VAR. From the very first game, everybody's angry about VAR <laughs> from the first game all the way through to the last game played on that weekend. And that's one thing which I think 
the law people that make the laws need to understand is that the game everywhere I would say is so old that people hate change and when you bring big change it's not going to go down well like you almost have to do things slowly slowly to get people to like really buy into it people so the culture in America is in the United States is a bit different because they have the main other sports they have timeouts and TV timeouts and this and that mm-hmm. so the pay, the the flow of a game is different to how it would be in other countries where the main sport is football and mm-hmm. essentially if someone is wasting time like they are penalized for doing so it's not games not designed to take long breaks so over here with VAR if there's a break overall it's, okay. it's fine it's mm-hmm. fine but you take that across to England and like the referee puts his finger to his ear and says <laughs> i'm just checking and then like 60 seconds pass people are oh, referee referee just play the game, just play the game. Like they're in a rush to get somewhere. Yeah. Like the game is the game. Like it is what it is. And I, I, I'm for VAR overall. Mm-hmm. But I think in some ways it kind of shines a light on people and the lack of understanding of the actual laws of the game. Because the referees and the assistant, video assistant referees are still trying to judge things the way they would have done without video, except now they have video. So if you see a decision go one way or the other, they would have still been looking for that without the video. But yeah, the, this podcast could go on for hours if I was yeah, to talk the about the VAR. Is yeah, here. Could, we have yeah, to accept this, it. This just accept it. We'll, we'll figure it out in time. Um, so we've spoken a bit about the league, other leagues. I've spoken a bit about the league over here and stuff. And I want to know how do you think um, the game? I'd say women's football overall. How do you think it can be improved both here? and outside of America? I think women's football is going to copy men's football. So we are getting better in the tactical way, and trainings are way better than before. So everything is like getting the same, or at least in the same way that in, in men's football. And um, yeah, so I think we're going to improve in 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 the level of, uh, of uh, the game because we're going to understand the game better because we have better coaches, better preparation, uh, the technique is going to be better, like the physical way going to be better. So uh, I think we're just going to copy the, the trends of uh, men football. So my question is more like where men football is going okay. because women's football is, is just coming behind. And um, right now I think men football is in a in a situation that sometimes it's like there is no it, there is nothing new yeah just More i money. will say just guardiola mm-hmm. maybe club like with some uh, changes is yeah. uh, and that is uh, what i love to see mm-hmm. because i i want to see something something new something that really take my attention mm-hmm. um so i think uh, from the american side of it both in your sport and um in your league and in my league the biggest problem, which I don't think... Well, two problems, two problems, two major problems. Because the product itself, I don't really have an issue with compared to other places because at times it can be as good as anywhere in the world. But we've got two main issues, especially, say, here in Utah. To get people to watch... Like, I say this to you all the time. Yeah. On your Instagram, you say, we have a game today. Make sure you tune in. It's at 8 o'clock Mountain Time, three a, or 4, 4 a.m. <laughs> uh, Central European Time. And I think to myself, it's good that you're reminding them, <laughs> but I imagine most people will be asleep. Yeah. So the time factor will almost put put this league in a place where the audience has to always come from here. Whereas, say, 
in Europe, in England, and so on, you will always have like big audiences for it in your home country, but it's perceived globally. Like people, like I think it was probably three, four years ago, the Premier League signed a new deal to broadcast games to every corner of the world, which then led to how every team in the Premier League now can spend fifty million pounds on a player if they need to, because the money's there from that. But from here, it will always be a bit more tricky because who can really watch the games unless they're played in the afternoons or late mornings? Well, you know, that could be a way to do things. Mm-hmm. Unless they're played like then, the audience is always going to be, not it's, it's never going to be fully maximized outside of the country. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. especially if you are now in the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, like When I was in England, before I came here, the only games I would ever see would be the East Coast games. Yeah. And then even still, they're very picky and choosy about who they put on TV anyway. And then the other problem... Um, is what's the best way to say this um it's the it's the love of the other american sports the more traditional american sports here so you want the game to grow but from the year that i've been here now i could say on espn or anything like this they have these talk shows every morning where they talk about sport even though nothing's happening in sport they'll talk about sport for two three four five hours every day And in the year that I've been here, I've not heard one of the specialist talking heads even mention our game one time. But they mention American football, baseball, basketball, college football, yeah. college basketball. Even college high baseball. school. <laughs> high school, yeah, all this stuff. And that's, you know, those are, the, those are the traditions of being in this country. From when you come here, you accept that that's, those are the big, big things. But it's crazy because then as soon as you leave these shores, There's nothing bigger overall than football in probably 80, 90% of most of the countries that you could go to around the world. So, I, like I was, um, so when I played for Manchester City, as soon as you make it onto that team in your city, you are a star to the point whereby you're like a film star in LA. You like, you are a star. But here, nobody, if you, <laughs> you could say you play soccer, like, oh, that's cute. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good for you. Like, <laughs> oh, congratulations. That must be fun. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah. And it's a different, it's a different level of importance. So it almost feels like the biggest problem we'll have is trying to fight those other sports, but those other sports, they're undefeated. Like you can't really beat that. So, yeah, no beat, but maybe you can get closer. Maybe. Because it's obviously that this is a cultural thing. Yeah. In, in Europe, you grew up, like you born and you just watch football. Yeah, It's exactly, how it is. Exactly. And everyone knows the rules. Exactly. Here, like some people, they even don't know the rules. That yes. is crazy for me, yes. but uh, it's, it's how it is. Mm. So you can change a little and you can get closer to the big uh, sports here. It's hard, yeah. but I think that if you think about the MLS like years before and yeah. now, yeah, it's, it's obviously that it's, it's, change, it's yeah. better. Yeah. And uh, in the women's side, like you have the best uh, national team in the world. Yes. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to use that moment now. Yeah. So to, to grow the league and uh, just more people come to the games. And I think that when people come and they see it, like, okay, I, I actually like it, especially if there are a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> if of course, it's a yeah. zero, zero, one, zero, they don't like it yeah. that much. So, so this is why I, people don't, when people say, am I playing? I say yes. And they're like, I'm going to come like, if you want to, but I'm here to make it nil-nil. So um, I'm not going to entertain you. Mm-hmm. Whereas for you, it's like, oh, come to the game. You know, I play in the den. I do this, I do that. I've got this skill. I've got that skill. 
for me, it's like, yeah, someone's going to come at me with skill and <laughs> I'm going to try and stop them. But that's fun too. <laughs> uh, uh, um. I, I wouldn't say fun. I wouldn't say fun. But so as you said, with the um, US national team winning the World Cup, that was good to see for the reaction that the US public had towards them. And there was a spike in attendances for the NWSL. Mm-hmm. And I want to see... I want to see more of that because, you know, all all those people are playing in this league and they're playing with players, some of them who are as good as they are, so but playing for like different countries and so on and so forth. So the quality is there and it's definitely a product that's worth going to watch. So whatever needs to be done to get more people to go to games and to really be invested into it, not necessarily for every week to be given free tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, you want people to buy season tickets. You want people to really support the teams, create the big, big rivalries. But right this very second, it doesn't feel like it's there just yet. No, not yet. But I think if the level, it gets better. Of course, like it has to be like uh, an investment before. Yeah. And uh, it's getting there now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it's like, if the level is better, if the players uh, are better, yeah. if uh, we bring more international players, top players coming to this league, then when people come to the stadium, they're going to watch the show. Yeah. So if they like it, uh, the World Cup, and now they come here and they see some of these players here doing the same, they're going to come back. But yeah, it's, it's hard. So for us, it's a, actually, it's a little pressure yeah. because for me, I, I, I think about it a lot of times when, when I go to, the, to my games, it's like, okay, we have to put a show. Yeah. Because if we are using this moment when the, player, the, the people come to the game and the stadium is kind of like a nice atmosphere, like, okay, now it's, it's the pent of us. Yeah. If we do it good, they're going to come back. If we do a bad game, maybe we don't have other chance. See, all this stuff, and I've not even mentioned money really, but to a certain extent, money is one of the biggest factors that drive success. If you have more money available to bring in players, like the Premier League is a great league. All the clubs have great history. But some players are happy to just come and play for maybe the 20th best team in the Premier League because it's where they'll make the most money. Like, you will have the experience, but you make the most money there. Mm-hmm. And as a professional, you know, you could be questioned for having that as a motive, but the fact is you are a professional to make money. Otherwise, you would just be an amateur, and that's what it would be. So those leagues and stuff which do particularly well, it's no surprise that that's where most of the money is. Even you could look at, say, for the men's side in China, they've managed to draw in some of the biggest stars in world football. And the league might be good, but the way they've managed to do it is because of money. So the audiences go, go up in China. Audiences, more people are watching the Chinese league now and so on. But it's just, it's, it's almost like this vicious cycle where you need money to bring in more players. but And then once more players are in, you make more money and stuff like this. But which one has to come first? <laughs> but let's not talk about that. This has been very serious for a long time. It's time to have some fun. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So in the podcast pre- prior, I think it was, Don't Be a Meanie with Justin Portillo, we did a fantasy five-a-side team mm-hmm. competition. I took, I took both teams uh, into, work, into the training ground at Harriman, and I listed them. And I said, if you fancy my team, leave a tick. If you fancy his team, leave a tick. I won. <laughs> okay. I was also doing some lobbying. I was standing at the board telling people why my team's the better team, but people bought into it. But the fact is, I won. Um, so I'm going to tell you the teams okay. and I want you to just say my team's the best. Okay. That's all I need from you. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I'll t- uh, yeah, I'll tell you his team first. So this is a fancy five-a-side team, which has to include a goalkeeper okay. because there is a goal <laughs> and technically speaking, you need a keeper to play. But anyway, so he, we, we shared two players. He went for Lionel Messi, 
Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, like the original Ronaldo, mm-hmm. Sergio Ramos, Ter Stegen from Barcelona, the goalkeeper, and Xavi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good team. Uh, that's fine. I don't doubt that. It's a good team. <laughs> and I went for Little Messi again. I put in Ronaldinho. Mm-hmm. I put in Philip Lahm just to do some lobbying now this is the person who Pep Guardiola said was one of the most intelligent footballers he has ever worked with in his entire career I'm just going to drop that in there um, as well as I had Xavi and in goal I went for Julio Cesar the Brazilian great goalkeeper yeah so who do you think wins that game and it's not going to be 1-0 <laughs> well obviously both teams are really really good that's not what I'm asking Um, I actually like more the first one. And tell me why. <laughs> tell me why. Tell me why you're wrong. Tell me why you're wrong. Um, can I? I, I okay. see the, the teams again. So you have Ronaldinho. I think that that's fantastic. In, I think Ronaldinho in a five aside. Don't think. Yeah. Don't think eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Think yeah. five aside. Think five aside. Yeah, Messi and Ronaldinho together. It's over. Wow. The game is done. And uh, and Xavi together. Yeah. So then it's about Lamp and Julio Cesar for you. Yes. And Sergio Ramos and, and Ter Stegen. Um, Listen, I would be surprised if um, Sergio Ramos finishes the game on the field. <laughs> That's the first thing. That's true. And Lam is way more intelligent yeah. than Sergio Ramos. So, so I changed my... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have to change it. Exactamente. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, to count, so now, since my team is the great team so far, who would you have in your team? Uh, I actually can beat you. You can? Yeah, I can. Uh, the, I listeners, can. the listeners will decide, but I doubt it. Well, I will say... Messi, yeah, like you. Of course. If, of you, course. if Messi's not in your team, there's no yeah, point having a conversation. Yeah, then you don't win. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Xavi, because yeah. for me, is uh, the best midfielder oh, ever. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put Zidane. Okay. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he was also one of the best. Yeah, he's not too bad. <laughs> And I'm going to put Ronaldo, the Brazilian. Okay, the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then it's depending. Like, my idea was just to play without a goalkeeper. How dare you bring that to my table? No, yeah. you need a goalkeeper. If it's no a goalkeeper, I will say Maldini, because okay. he was, like, the best defender ever. Okay, but you can't say Maldini, so yeah. he's the goalkeeper. So I will say... Um, it's, uh, I will say Neuer. Emmanuel Neuer, interesting. Yeah. And why would you say him? I will say him, because my team needs a goalkeeper that plays with the feet. I have um, listen, did I say Julius Cesar yeah, or did I say somebody else? Yeah, but else? I have to compete against you, so I can't <laughs> I can't choose the same. <laughs> yeah, okay. but Neuer was fantastic, and I see it on live for okay. during one season. Okay. I was in Bayern Munich This at the same true, time, yeah. Yeah. so I I was lucky enough to to see a lot of the the trainings, and he was just Incredible, fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. I never saw a goalkeeper that good with the feet. Yeah. Because if not, I will say Buffon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's just, uh, yeah. It's, 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 you've, you've made a good team. It's I think we can team. die, It's at a least. good team. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No? I'm not sure. I think it's a good team. But I, the, the place where I think makes the biggest difference for me yeah. is with the goalkeeper because it's five-a-side. I think Julius says I will score goals in the five-a-side. Like, he was so nice with his feet. He will score goals. And then... Philip Lahm, as I say, is a genius. A genius. He's a genius. Yeah. He is. He is a genius. So the game might be 100 to maybe 95 <laughs> with Philip Lahm making the key decisions for those other five goals. <laughs> so there we go. It's, well, anyway, as I say, we'll let the listeners decide. You have to say that this team is the closest to yours. I think, at least. I, listen, I think your team beats the other team. <laughs> okay. But 
yeah. but they still know as good yeah. we will never know <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair um so yeah let's have some more fun uh i want to get to know some of your play- teammates a bit more and i'll tell you about mine yeah mm-hmm. just a, some quick fire questions who is this is not including yourself now who is the best trainer best trainer the best person in training yeah that's a tough one mm. Mm. because you have so many or because you have so few uh so many <laughs> <laughs> okay so many i actually don't know uh yeah i never thought about it i mean our trainings are really competitive and we push each other really hard so um i don't i don't think that there is a player that is always okay so the there's best so there's never usually trainings. a player who always seems to win the small games that's me but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay 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 um for me i think it would be Damir Krylak. He yeah. yeah, he always seems to be on the winning side. It's really annoying. Like especially if he teams up with certain people, it's guaranteed. But other times there's like there's a good chance he's going to win. But yeah, if he teams up with certain people, it's almost 100% sure to happen. Is he really competitive? Uh, yeah, 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 he is, yeah. And he's like really he's one of those guys so as a defender, I like playing against people who can be quite sloppy and take too many touches, you know, dilly-dally and whatever. Mm-hmm. But with him like if the goal's there, he'll take a touch and just pass it into the corner. And it's really frustrating because I, if you took another touch, I would be there. Mm-hmm. But he's done but it too soon, and now I'm not there. And now I'm watching the ball go into the net. So I'd say him. Who is your worst trainer? <laughs> Come on, name them. <laughs> the worst one. Uh, this is a tough question. I no, can't. Go on, don't be shy. Don't worry. Don't really, worry. I'm, sure, have... I'm sure they're not listening anyway. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the same that the, the best. Like I, I think it's depending of the day. Okay. So yeah. If, if well. So with this, it's not an insult because there were players who I've played with who were terrible in training but great in games. Yeah. So for me, I would say in terms of training, Sam Johnson's strike is particularly bad. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, he can be bad, but I would say actually <laughs> Donny Toyo, the left back, certain training sessions, I'm not sure if he's even awake. But yeah, I'd say him. But now you need to... But he's, these okay. two guys are legit in games. Yeah. So you I tell will, me now. Okay, I will say Kristen Press because... Like she just do her own thing sometimes, uh-huh. and I I love it okay. because I think every player needs to do some stuff that is different than the rest. So she just is in a situation that she doesn't care. Like I need to do this, I gonna do it. Like I don't feel like shooting, I don't shoot. Okay. I feel like I have to shoot more. So I shoot she's more. She's a free spirit. Okay. Yeah, it's a free spirit, and the same thing is just fantastic in the games and the time that is training with us is also fantastic okay. so what she does between i don't care <laughs> okay right um there are a few more i was going to ask you about you know i don't want to i don't want to make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> so um some more stuff about yourself now yeah mm-hmm. so for people that don't really know you i look at you as like a, a false nine attacking midfielder sort of 10 yeah so you're all about goals and assists. This is how you're the top scorer for Spain. I'm sure you've got lots of assists for that as well. If you had to pick one of these two options, what would you pick? So for the rest of your career, to never score a goal again and have assists or to never assist again and have goals? My first job is to assist because I'm a midfielder. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same for a defender. Okay. Like if you can attack and you can score goals, it's yeah. great. Yeah. But your first job mm-hmm. is to defend yeah so for me my first especially here in utah is like 
I have to feed my forwards. Okay. So that's my job every day. And uh, I will be okay no scoring. Really? Yeah. Really? Just if we win. <laughs> okay. So, so no, no, win. forget the win. <laughs> the win's not part of it now. You have to pick one. The win, the result isn't the thing, but you have to decide. You never score again or you never have another assist. I will say score because okay. it's the beauty of this uh, this sport. Yeah. You play to, I hate to it win. When people are selfless. Yeah, I hate but it's it when true. It's like if I Just like the feeling, goals. the feeling of assist is great. <sighs> but when you score, <laughs> that moment, the celebration, it's just yeah. everyone is happy because you score it. Okay. So uh, yeah, All a right. goal is always a goal. Okay, um, I this this I can ask you this one of two ways. I can make this about you, or I can make it about a team. What would you rather? A team. Okay. Would you rather play for a team? So this isn't any of your teams that you've played for. This is all in theory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you rather play for a team that always plays ugly and loses fans, but they win? Or a team that plays beautiful football, but they never win anything, but they are loved by everybody? I go for the second one. Really? Yeah. And I, I, like, oh, I love yeah. to win. I'm, I think I'm really competitive. I, I just play for win. And for so many years in my career, I, I didn't care about yeah. how we play. I, I adapt to different styles and I didn't mind. I went to Germany and I play how they play. Like, I don't care because I just wanted to win. But right now I'm in a moment of my career where I really appreciate how we win. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate the teams that play well and the coaches that um, propose something that is really fun to watch. Yes. So, um, yeah, I love this game and I, I love to play good football. <laughs> okay, well, from my side, I have to counter that because from when I was in England and you have the relegation and so on, that relegation makes such a big difference. And if you can, when I say win, I meant to like essentially be successful in quotation marks and success is maintaining your status or winning. And I'm more for winning. Mm -hmm. at this moment in time. Obviously, it's easy for you. You've won a Champions League, you know. <laughs> but not, everyone, not everyone's done that. Uh, so that's the side that I would go for. And for the previous one, listen, it, I don't care about this. Just get me goals. <laughs> I don't score enough to like to just forego goals. Just get me goals. Somehow get me just a goal. Just get me goals. Just get me goals <laughs> and I'm happy. Um, so we've obviously been talking about men's and women's football. Um, and you've been to quite a few places, played with some really good players. Which player that you've played with in your career or possibly played against, do you think in this day and age now could potentially go and try and play men's football and have the biggest impact? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't think... This is a question that they get a lot Okay. from the journalists. Like, oh, sorry, let's get rid of it then. No, if it's no, a journalist no, question, no, but no, I listen, think it's, don't I do think this to my podcast. I'm no, not a journalist. No, I'm okay. not working for the media. Okay. That's not a question. Let's change it. Okay. No foreign journalists, even like normal people. Okay. Like, yeah, they just oh, so why there is no a mix? Uh, that's not, team. yeah, that's not the question. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's so hard, a woman, even if it's the best, the best player, the best woman player in the history was Marta. Yeah. If she can't, make it no one can make it okay. and she's smaller like yeah. whatever but she was the best and she's still great record goal score at the world cup 17 goals is mm -hmm. that right yeah she's just fantastic so i will say her I, because listen, she's the best the way i asked the question i said who would have the biggest impact not necessarily like who like marta is the best but is there somebody who maybe has something about the way that they play that would make them suit this game yeah i don't think so because maybe a physical player in woman's side yeah. it will be pff, 
worse than a, a man. Yeah. So the impact for me is always the quality. Marta is okay. the one. Okay, fine. You've, the whole thing about this podcast was I do not want to be like the media. So the next okay. time I the next time I say a question is anything like the media, please just stop the whole thing. Okay, we I can will. edit it. We'll cancel it. Whatever. Like, that no no no. I am not working for the media. We're here for a good time, not a serious. Perfect. One. Um, and just one more question for you, if that's all right. Actually, no, I've got two, but this one's mm -hmm. more so about legacy. When it's all said and done, and you play for the last time, how do you want to be remembered? Wow. <laughs> I want people to remember me like a, a player that helped my sport yeah. to be better. And I think I'm living in, in a moment where I'm lucky because I, I can have that uh, impact. And especially in Spain, like I, I started to play football when no there are there were no so many girls or women playing playing football. We didn't have professionally like no TV, no media, no one cares about it. And uh, now the situation is way, way better. And uh, I want uh, the girls and the boys have like role models also like uh, football players, women football players. So I think whenever I retire, I will love people remember me like, yeah, she was one of, uh, she was a good player, but especially she helped or a sport to get better. Okay, so when you retire in 10 years, that's, that's what the plan is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten years, okay. <laughs> See, for me, um, everything you said there is so valid, especially for women's sport, because it feels like it's a lot newer in terms of its development compared to men's football. So I, there are probably maybe 10 players in men's football that can have the impact that you've mentioned there. And they are like already icons and they do try and make a difference overall. But for me, I think when I finish, I've been lucky enough for all the places I've been to whereby if fans don't know what I stand for on the field, the players I've always played with have and they know that I'm the type of player who they want to play alongside because I do things the right way. I include everybody. I bring dressing rooms together and I'm fun to be around. I, especially as I get older, I want to maximize the careers of all the people that are around me in the way that I play to benefit them as much as it helps myself. I've never been like that selfish player and anything like that. And I think as as I did get older and start to focus more on that, I think fans start to understand it more. It's not about me, but people still feel that they need me there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And obviously- I want to play with you. Oh, well, there's every <laughs> chance one day. Yeah. Do some master's thing when we're older and you know, we're retired or whatever. And I, I like I live for that. Say the players in the team now who, when I retire, if I've helped them to be on a path to greater success, then I'll take more pride in that than anything that I did myself. It's never, it's never about me, and I want people that I played with to know that, to know that I was there for them because it's such a tough game at times, and it can be so individual. Even in a room full of twenty-five people, you can really, really be lonely in there. But I like to think that I bring all those people together, so everyone feels like we're all heading in the same direction. But I'm not retiring yet, so that's that's whatever it is. So let me hit you with some trivia, and then uh, we'll bring it to a close, yeah? Okay. So you are, um, how do we say this? Uh, how do you say this in English? You're old. So um, <laughs> to, <laughs> so to finish, let me let me give you some trivia about something which you might know. You're, you're probably old enough to know. Obviously, I'm a bit older. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit older. I won't say how old I am, but I'm a bit older. 
but here's some trivia. Tell me if you know this, and then you'll get some bonus points if you know the, the finer details of this. Wow. So this is a World Cup year, yeah? Mm-hmm. Did you know that there have been two stadiums which have hosted both a men's and a women's World Cup final? Can you name them? Wow. No, I can't. Okay. Well, that's that segment done then. Um, I'm really bad on that. So. Okay. Would you like a clue? Would you <laughs> yes, like a clue? please. Okay. So would you like the years or would you like the countries? What would you like? The countries. Okay. Uh, actually, no, I can't give you the countries. I'll give, <laughs> give you the years. I'll give you the years. The years so, is hard. No, no, no. no. The, years, the years are easy if you think about it carefully. So one of the stadium, stadia had the World Cup final in 1994. Yeah, you point. Yeah, for anyone that can't see <laughs> Vero, she's uh, she's pointing to say here in the US. Yeah. And the other one was in 1999. So, wow. that one is the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Oh. So in, I didn't know that was that stadium. Yeah. So USA '94, the finals between. Do you know? Uh, against China was. I'm talking about men no. in '94. Oh, '94. No idea. Oh, you I this. No, this is, I have really... We're the same age. We are the same age. You <laughs> yeah, know this. but this is an okay, iconic we, World Cup. But we, yeah, I'm probably like I I watched all the oh, World Cups my in my life, but uh, my my memory. Okay, let is me let me terrible. remind you. Do you remember the World Cup where the Brazilians lined up and Bebeto did a baby celebration? No, okay, fine. It was that in US. That was 90, US, okay. US 94. So I remember that. But oh, I don't do you remember, remember that? the country oh, or remem- the year? You remember it after I tell you. That's crazy. Um, so that was Brazil versus Italy. Italy, yeah, true. Um, which Brazil won 3 2 on penalties. Mm-hmm. And then. That was the World Cup where. Uh, watch Di- how you're pointing at me. Oh, sorry. This is, this where is, Di Baggio uh, yeah. missed the penalty. Um, Di Baggio, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. This is one where you skied over the Oh, you remember? Yeah. It's crazy. You remember yeah. after somebody remember tells you, you remember. Things. That's insane. <laughs> and then the women's World Cup final, who played in that game? I think it was US against China. That's correct. And do you know how that game finished? It was in penalties, too. Yeah. So both those games in that stadium, two World well, Cup finals, have never seen a World Cup final goal. And That's sad. It's sad, yeah. <laughs> it's sad. And then the other stadium, um, this one, you probably won't know the men's one unless you're a real historian. So that was in 1958, mm-hmm. and that was uh, Brazil versus Sweden, which finished 5-2 to Brazil. Mm-hmm. And the second World Cup final was in 1995. So this was the World Cup before the one we just mentioned, and that was Germany against Norway. Do you remember who won? It was Norway. Norway won 2-0. Yep. And that was the Rosunda Stadium in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. See this? I hate you with knowledge. I hate you with real knowledge. I mean, probably you just checked everything in Google. Yeah. Like, I didn't have my no, time. No, listen, 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 <laughs> listen. You had time. You had time and you lived through it. <laughs> but these are the questions which, you know, is relevant to you. It might not be relevant to someone else, but it's relevant to you. And I thought, since we both play, yeah. that was two interesting facts. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. But for now, I need to do some bigger thank yous. Obviously, you are quite big, but <laughs> I want to thank um, Ryan Hale for producing the show. And... Uh, I don't know what you think, Vero, but I think these studios, these are Mountain Air Studios. It's fantastic. Mountain Air Studios, Draper, Utah. Thank you very much for allowing us to use the space. I really enjoy coming here. I feel right at home. And thank you to all the listeners again. Um, To all the listeners, if you have any questions you'd like to be played out on the show, uh, please send a voice note to rsl at digital.com. And you can also reach out to to the club at 
Real Salt Lake on pretty much all the uh, major social media um, platforms. And Vero, do you uh, do you have social media you want people to follow you on? Yeah, Vero Boquete. Uh, That's simple. Uh, <laughs> literally, there you go. Say no more. But seriously, Vero, thank Vero, thank you very much for coming on the show. This is the longest podcast I've done so far. And I was looking forward to it because there was a lot of stuff which I wanted to hear from you and hear from someone that plays in the sport that you play in because I'm really interested in it. It's inspiring for my daughters. It's inspiring for my friends. It's inspiring to just see so much change happening. And yourself and others are a really big part of that. And it's a change to go in the right direction. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll speak again. But till next time, listeners, thank you very much. Thank you.